Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32 through 51. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 32 through 51. And this is a very um, common passage of scripture because this is the story of David and Goliath. Who knows the story of David and Goliath? Right, most of us know that. I think that's like, I honestly don't know when I first heard of the story of David and Goliath. Like, I just think I just like, like, I don't know how old it was. It's probably like the first story I ever heard. It's such a common story, but I know that there's so much meat in it. And we're really going to give, look at it through a different perspective. So I want to give a little bit of context um, in this scripture because I believe context brings, brings clarity. So where we pick up. In verse 32, what has happened before this is that there's this young boy named David, and he has been anointed um, by a prophet named Samuel to be king over Israel um, at the age of 15. Who knows that's a lot of pressure, okay? At 15, I was playing video games and eating chips, all right? I wasn't getting ready to, to be a ruler over a country, so that's a lot of pressure on somebody. And so he was anointed to be king and uh, so he's around the age of 18 right now. And in this time, in this time of Israel, you couldn't be in the army until you were 20. So he's too old or too young to be, uh, to fight for Israel yet. And so he's back at home with his dad, Jesse. And he is taking, he's a shepherd boy. He's taking care of his father's sheep. And while this is going on, there is a war going on against Israel and the Philistines. And three of his brothers, three of David's brothers are fighting um, against the Philistines. And so his dad asked David, he says, hey, it's been a while. Go bring your brother some food. He said, go bring him some cheese and and chips. And uh, so David said, okay. So he's on his way to the battlefield with a couple of Lunchables for his brothers, getting ready to, to hopefully surprise him with a meal. And then he is surprised at what he sees when he gets there. Because when he gets to the battlefield, he realizes something is that no battle is taking place. He gets to the battlefield and he sees that both of the armies are in their camps and that there's this huge giant named Goliath and he, and he is calling out the Israelites. He's saying, hey, somebody come fight me. Somebody come, somebody come fight me because they were having this one-on-one duel and, and Goliath said, hey, if somebody, if the Israelite, this one Israelite defeats me, all of y'all can take us as your slaves. But then he said, but if I defeat you, uh, we will take all of Israel as our slaves. So anyways, nobody wanted to go against Goliath. All the Israelites were scared. Saul was scared. And so this is, this, this is the scene that David walks into uh, when we pick up in verse 32. And there's, uh, there's a lot of scripture for, for today, but who loves the Bible? I love the Bible. I never think there's no such thing as too much of God's word, right? There's no such thing. And uh, so this is where we pick up in verse uh, 32. And this is David saying to King Saul. He said, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go and fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can win this fight and possibly win. You know, which way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. And when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. 
I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lions and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Finally, Saul consented. He said, all right, go ahead, he said. May the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail, and David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again, and he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with a shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Okay, this is where it gets good. We're almost done. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him. Snaring in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy, Goliath said, Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? That makes me, you know, chuckle a little bit because that reminds me of me. And he cursed David by the names of his gods, and he said, Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. And Goliath yelled and said, David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. It got pretty real right there. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everybody assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. For this is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Almost done. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into a shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with a sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath, and then David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Turn to your neighbor and say the title for tonight's message, Being Battle Ready. Being Battle Ready. Uh, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for all you're doing tonight. Uh, thank you, Father, that uh, you are speaking tonight, that your Holy Spirit is touching minds and spirits in this place, Father. I thank you, God, that we're going to see you move, God. I thank you, Father, everybody in this room, that we are all on the same accord, Father, that we just want to know more of you. We just want to be closer to you, Father. So we thank you that everything's going to take place tonight. It's going to happen exactly according to your will. And, Father, I thank you, God, that you're protecting the Astros right now, God, and that Verlander, he is having the greatest game of his career, and that the Astros are going to find their swing. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen, amen. So uh, a few years ago, I went to, uh, I, I was a student at Texas Bible Institute, which is a, uh, a Bible college. And um, a lot of y'all probably heard of it. It's a Bible college in Columbus, Texas. And so I was there for a couple years. And in my, in my last year, I was put in this leadership role, um, which I'm really thankful for. And I learned a lot. But I was put in this role where I was the community leader over about 80 guys. And over 80 guys from the aged of 17 to 25. And so what my role was is that I was basically their older brother slash dad for the next six months. And so as you can imagine, there was a lot of interesting conversations and 
breaking up fights, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe all that I had to go through. Um, but one of the things uh, that took place at TBI is that we had this thing, because um, there was four different dorms. There was two girl dorms and two guy dorms. I was over um, a guy dorm that was K-dorm. And that was our dorm, and we were really proud of it. Um, I called it K-dorm culture, culture of the K. We had this whole movement. It was awesome. Uh, but uh, one of the things was that every Monday, we, w- we were supposed to clean the whole dorm, and then one of the staff members would come, and her name's Miss Kayla, and she would come to each dorm and check how clean it is, and she would rank the doors from one to four. And the winner got, actually, the winner really didn't get anything except for bragging rights, but that's okay. And so the very first week that I was a CL, I wasn't really prepared for this because I didn't really know what happened. And then all of a sudden, every Monday just took place. And so Monday came, and we, you know, I didn't really tell my guys to, to clean. And so Miss Kayla comes in. And now Miss Kayla, she was a Latina. You know what I'm talking about? Like, she would put on the glove, and she would go to, like, every place, and she would, you know, check. Like, she looked everywhere to see how clean it was, and she was serious about it. And um, so anyways, we were kind of cleaning at the last second. Like, oh, no, Miss Kayla's on her way. We've got to clean right now. So I'm telling my guys to clean the rooms. I'm going to like, tell them to clean the bathrooms. I want them to get spotless. And so she finally gets to our dorm, and we weren't really prepared for her. So she gets to our dorm, and she's like, oh, Caleb, you need to do better. I'm like, I know, I know. We weren't, I didn't really know. So anyways, uh, we, we actually did better than I thought, and we got second place. And which was, what a big deal about that was is that very rarely is a guy's dorm cleaner than the girl's dorm. Because usually the guy's dorms are third and fourth, and girls are first and second. But we got second place. I'm like, oh, great job, guys. And so I'm like, I'm like hey, great job. You know, we did, you, you know uh, let's do better next time. And I was talking to the um, girl CLs who was over the O dorm who got first place. I'm like, hey, we got second, but great job of getting first. She's like, yeah, we got first, and it's going to stay that way. I was like, oh, no, I know you're not talking mess. And so I was like, I was like, okay, okay, look. I said, hey, don't make me motivate my guys, because if I motivate my guys, you know, we're, in, we're coming for that first place. So anyways, I used that as motivation, and I told my guys, I said, hey, look, Odorm's talking mess about us. All right, they're saying we're not going to get first. So anyways, next time uh, Miss Kayla came, we were prepared. We started cleaning that Saturday. I mean, I, I, I was cleaning everything. We were, we were mopping the floors twice. I'm talking about that place was clean, and we were prepared. Uh, whenever Miss Kayla walked in, we had music playing. We had Febreze everywhere. And, like, we were prepared for her, and she came in, and she couldn't believe her eyes. She was like, oh, wow. And, like, she was, like, she was, like, she was so impressed, and we got first place that time. And then every time, that deserves a hand clap because... That was the first time in TBI history that guys dorm got first place. And so we, we got first place a lot of times, and we kind of stayed around first or second. But I was proud of my guys. But what I realized is that everything was a whole lot different when we were prepared to clean, right, when we, when we had our correct preparation. Because what we're talking about tonight is that a lot of times we think we're unqualified, but really we're, we were just unprepared. A lot of times we go into situations it's like, man, I feel like I'm unqualified for this. I feel like um, that's why this didn't work out because um, I had too many shortcomings or too many weaknesses. But usually it's because we're unprepared. Because rather we realize it or not, David didn't re- realize he was about to step into a battle, right? He was, he was delivering Lunchables. But whether we realize it or not, a battle is coming. 
a battle is coming. Because we know by Scripture, right, that we're more than conquerors, right? We read that, that, that we are more than conquerors. But also in, in 1 Corinthians 15 um, says that God gives us the victory, right? God gives us the victory. But what I realized that everybody wants a victory, but nobody wants a battle, right? You can't have a victory unless there's a battle. And so a lot of times we're trying to avoid situations, we're trying to avoid battles, and then we expect God to give us the victory. But we're not able to step into a victory unless we step into battle. Because if there is no battle, there is no victory, amen? So God sometimes will send a battle in our ways, not for that battle to conquer us, but with God to conquer that battle and to, right, catapult us into the purpose God has for us, because, that, because defeating Goliath was David's greatest victory in battle, yet he didn't even know it was coming, right? He wasn't, he, he didn't know, but somehow he was prepared for something he didn't know what was coming. That's what we're talking about today, about being battle ready, because we need to be ready for battle even when we don't know when it's coming. We have to be like David and know when it's coming, because God doesn't, doesn't promise us that we will never see a battle, right? He doesn't promise us that. But he promises us that he's going to be with us in the battle, right? That the b battle belongs to the Lord. So we must always be battle ready and not be afraid of a fight because like this quote I like, right? If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, right? That's all like Will Smith quote. Um, so if you look at this, this guy, his name's David. So we talked about how he was anointed to be king at the age of 15. And he fought Goliath at the age of 18, but he did not become king over Israel until he was the age of 30. See, some of us can't even wait 15 minutes for a happy meal, but David waited 15 years to be king over Israel. That takes some kind of consistency in your life to maintain that. See, David was consistent in his devotion with God. He was consistent with his responsibilities in man. And so when he stayed consistent with God, he was able to step into his purpose with God. And so what the first point for tonight is that your consistency, it, de it determines your condition. Your consistency determines your condition. You see, if you want to run a marathon... But you don't train for that marathon and you just show up for the race, you are in no type of physical condition to run that race, right? Because you haven't been consistent in your training. The same way, if you're not consistent with God and you're not consistent with your relationship with God, but you try to step into a spiritual battle, you're in no spiritual condition to win that battle. It's the same way that your consistency determines your condition. See, I'm not saying that for you to be perfect, right? Last time when we hear consistent, we think perfection. I'm not talking about being, perfect, being perfect, but being consistent means that I'm never going to lose that conviction to be, have a consistent relationship with God. Right? I never want to lose that conviction to be consistent. Have you ever gone a day without reading the Bible and all of a sudden you didn't even notice you didn't pray that day? That's a problem, right? I, what losing your consistency means is that you're no longer convicted to be consistent with God. Like, you can miss a day of prayer and not even notice it. That's losing your conviction 
to be consistent with God. Or you, you could go a week without reading the Bible and not even notice it. That's losing your conviction to be consistent with God. Right? I want to be consistent to God to the point where if I dismiss a day without prayer, it's tugging at my spirit. Now I know, hey, I need to get back into prayer with God. I need to get back in that quiet place. My conviction right now is too strong to skip a day without God. Right? See, we have to maintain that consistency because our consistency determines our condition. See, if we be consistent with God, he will improve the condition of your heart. But in the same way, if you are inconsistent with God, you're going to be inconsistent in the battle. If you're inconsistent with God, you're going to be inconsistent when temptation comes your way because you haven't been consistent with the person who gives you the strength. You haven't been consistent with the God who knows everything that you need to do to step into your purpose. So we have to learn to be consistent because, see, David, he was consistent with God. For 15 years or, or for, for a while, he, he was this anointed to be king, yet instead of pursuing, you know, the palace and saying, hey, this is my right, he went back to being a shepherd boy. I know that if I was anointed to be king, I wouldn't continue doing my day job, right? I would say, hey, look, I'm, all, I'm, I'm free now. Like, hey, I don't have to worry about anything. No, David continued to be disciplined. And so that fact, he was in condition, he was in good condition for battle. See, if you are consistent with God, you'll see the condition of your heart be more consistent, right? If you're consistent with God, you will see the condition of your life be more consistent. If you're consistent with God, you'll see that your faith isn't going up and down, that it's staying consistent because you've been consistent with him. Also, your consistency also determines your confidence. Your consistency determines your confidence. Because while all the other Israelites were afraid of Goliath, this 18-year-old kid steps up and says, hey, I can do this, right? What was the difference between his confidence and their lack of confidence is that David was consistent with God, and that gave him the confidence to fight Goliath. Because he said, he told Saul, he said, hey, I trusted God when the lion came, all right? He said, I trusted God when the bear came, so I'm going to trust God with Goliath. He has been consistent with God in times, and so he could be, have the confidence to step up when the battle came. Because whatever you're consistent in determines what you're confident in, Right? If you are consistently playing ping pong, you're going to be confident in your ping pong skills, right? You know, I'm, I'm pretty good. I play every day. If you're, if you're consistently, consistently studying, you're going to be confident when the test day comes, right, when, when finals come. But see, in the same way, if you're consistent with God, you're going to be confident when temptation steps up towards you. You say, you know what? I've been spending time with God. I've been with God. I'm confident in that. See, your consistency determines your confidence, but also the last thing about consistency is that your consistency determines your character. You see, David was spending so much time with God that his character started to line up with his. And when he walked to that battlefield and he saw Goliath define the name of the Lord, right, spewing out lies and is talking bad about his God, his character was so lined up with, with, with what God told us to be, he said, you know what, I can't let this stand, right? Rather, while all the Israelites were running and hiding, his character was so built up, he said, I can't stand by and just watch this happen. I have to do something about it. 
See, I believe that when you're consistent with God, that your character will begin to build to the point where you're not, not, not going to be willing to sit back anymore. That you're going to see different things take place in your life. Say, so you know what? I'm not going to sit back while I'll see my child doing this. Right? I'm not going to sit back while I watch my marriage fall apart. I'm not going to sit back while I watch injustice take place. Because when you spend time with Jesus and you're consistent with him, your character will begin to align with his. And all of a sudden, you're not going to even be able to sit back. The battle's going to come, and you're going to have to step up because that's who you are. Because you've been consistent with God. You've got to be consistent with God. Let's, let's continue with Scripture. And it said in 1 Samuel chapter 17, 30-40, it reads this. I know we read it, but I want to read it again. It said, in verse 38, then, Samuel, then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on and strapped the sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such stamps before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again, and then he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff, and Sleen, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. You see, Saul tried to put his armor on David to try to cover David's weaknesses. See, David came up to Saul and said, hey, Saul, I want to fight Goliath. And what did Saul tell him? Hey, you're only a boy. But hey, if you want to fight Goliath, I'm going to try and dress you up like a man. And he tried to hide his weaknesses. But instead of going into battle, trying to protect his weaknesses, David stuck to what he knew he was good at. Because let me tell you, you can never fight your battle in somebody else's armor. You always have to fight your battle in the armor that God gave you. And so the second point for tonight is that you've got to battle according to your strengths, not protecting your weaknesses. And that's part of self-awareness, because that's what David did. David has been practicing and been consistent with the sling and the stone, and that he knew he was, he was strong in that area. And instead of going into battle and picking up armor and a sword and fighting with something that he's not familiar with, instead he fought, got into battle and fought according to his strengths, not protecting his weaknesses, and we have to do the same. That's why self-awareness is so important because if you're not aware where you're strong and where you're weak at, you don't know uh, how to go into battle with your strengths if you don't know what they are, right? That's why self-awareness is so important. See, David could have easily gone to battle wearing Saul's armor, and I believe that if he would have, saw, if he would have fought Goliath Saul's way, he would have lost that day. Because he was going into battle trying to protect his weaknesses, not trying to go according to his strengths. You see, God is not surprised by your weaknesses. I know a lot of people tell me all the time, hey, I, I can't do that because I'm not strong in that area yet, or I'm not qualified in that area yet. And so God tells him to do something, and then they tell God, yeah, I would, but. And they think God's, like, surprised by what they say. Like, oh, I didn't know you were weak in that area. God knew, God knew everything from beforehand. So when he calls you somewhere, he already knows where you're weak at. So don't go into battle trying to protect your weaknesses. When we go into battle, you got to do what David did. He said, you know what? I'm going to play according to my strengths. I'm going to trust God's going to protect my weaknesses. And that's what we got to do when we go into battle. 
See, we got to trust God with the abilities that he has given us, right? We got to trust God with the strengths he has given us. We have to trust God with the passions he has given us. And then we have to trust God with the ability to protect us from our weaknesses. And that's what David did. David could have easily gone into that battle and say, you know what? I'm dressed like a shepherd boy right now. I'm not dressed like a warrior. I'm not ready for this. Instead, he said, hey, you know what? I know I have weaknesses right now, but I know God knows them too. And where I am weak, he is strong. And that's where that scripture comes into context because it's not about having a lack of weaknesses. It's about having enough trust that you're saying, God, I'm going to trust you where I'm weak because that's where you make me strong. And I'm going to go into battle according to my strengths. Amen? Amen? See, society always tries to disqualify us by our weaknesses, right? That's always going to be society. Society is always going to tell you, hey, you can't do that because you're not smart enough. You can't do that because you don't have the experience. You can't do that because you don't have enough money or the right relationships. Society is always going to point out your weaknesses, but God's always going to point out your strengths, right? God's always going to point out your strengths and say, hey, no, you can Go, go according to your strengths and trust me with your weaknesses, right? When he called Moses and Moses was telling God all of his weaknesses, saying, God, why are you calling me? I, I stutter. You know, I'm not a good communicator. Why are you calling me to lead that people? And God's saying, hey, I know you stutter, right? That doesn't surprise me. I'm calling you anyways, right? I'll protect that. Step into your purpose and trust that I'm going to cover your weaknesses. And that's what David did. Because when we trust God, where I am weak, right, that's when he turns it into strength. And that's how we become unbeatable in battle is that we go into the battle and say, hey, God, I know I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. But you know what? I'm a good communicator. I'm a good this. So I'm going to play according to this strength, and I'm going to trust that you're going to cover my weaknesses. And that's how we become unbeatable in battle when we trust God to make us strong where we are weak. See, we have to trust the abilities he has given us. When you trust that when you trust the ability that God has given you and you trust the ability to, to, for God to protect you, you'll never go into, into battle right, with the opportunity of losing. You see, all God requires is our obedience to use what he has given us and for us to distrust him to do the rest. A lot of times we mix up what God is trying for us to do. Right? God tells us to do something and we give him about 10 reasons why we shouldn't do it, right? God says, do this. We said, okay, I would, but, and then we have about 10 things, right? But all God requires of us and something that I've learned, the only thing I need, and this is why we're all called, this is why as soon as we have Jesus on the inside of us, we have every qualification, every experience that we need, because all God requires of us is just our obedience, that's it, period. That's all he requires from us. He doesn't need you to have the special skill, the super talent. He doesn't need all things, right? God has all the power, right? Anything that you lack, God will make up for. All that he requires you to do is just to be obedient. And that's how his faith is built. Because I've learned that people with the most faith, right, how they build their faith is that they just do their 1% and they watch God do the 99. All David did was be obedient to God, and he watched Goliath fall, and his faith was built, and he realized it had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with David. It had everything to do with his obedience to God. That's what it had everything to do with. And so a lot of times, see, if you want to see a move of God in your life, if you want to see things turn around, if you want to see, right, your marriage turn around, situations in your life that you think are dire, right, 
just be obedient to God when opportunity comes, right? Be obedient to God when doubt comes, when fear comes. He's saying, hey, you know what, God? I know this situation doesn't look good. I know I'm facing Goliath right now. I know everybody else is scared. And I know I, I feel like I don't have a chance, but I'm going to be obedient anyways, and you're going to watch your life turn around right there. Because that's where faith is built, is being obedient in the uncertain. Amen? Being obedient in the uncertain. Are you all hearing me tonight? I know I'm kind of speaking fast. Let's continue with scriptures. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, verse 50 to 51, it says this. So David triumphed over the Philistine. He only had a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath, and then David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Something that I realized uh, when I was reading that passage is that the stone didn't kill David. It just knocked him down, right? The sword, or didn't kill Goliath, the sword killed Goliath. That's what killed Goliath. And so I realized this, don't hesitate when opportunity comes your way. Don't hesitate when opportunity comes. Because David saw the opportunity, and he didn't hesitate. Right? He didn't hesitate. A lot of times, we hesitate when opportunity comes our way. Did you know that our minds are geared to avoid uncomfortable situations? Did y'all know that? You know, the longer you think about something, the more reasons you will make up not to do it. So that's why God says don't hesitate because he knows the longer you hesitate, the least likely that you're going to step up and do it. And so what I've learned when it comes to being obedient with God is that I don't think about it twice. I just do it right away. Because I know the longer I think about the situation, because what if David saw Goliath fail and was like, wow. And he's just waiting like, well, I could go up and take a sword, but what if the other 10,000, you know, Philistines come after me. What if that happens? No, he didn't hesitate. He didn't give, you know, doubt enough time to penetrate his mind. Instead, he said, you know what? I'm not going to hesitate. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to go out and do what he told me to do. And that's how we have to have. We can't hesitate when opportunity comes our way. Because when you hesitate, you give fear the chance to come in. When you hesitate, you give fear the chance to come in. Because every with God, every battle you see is not an obstacle, it's an opportunity, right? With God, anytime you come up to a battle, anytime you come up to something that's coming against you, when you have God on your side, it's no longer an obstacle. That thing in your life is no longer an obstacle. With God, now that thing is opportunity. That's how God turns everything for good for his name is because not that he put that obstacle there, but with him, now that turns into an opportunity, that's how he gets glory for everything. So we have, to, we have to not hesitate when God gives us that opportunity. We've got to make up our mind right now that we're not going to hesitate and it's to be obedient to God. Because I've learned now that I'm not going to hesitate, God. I'm not going to be that person who you tell me something and I'm going to sit on it and wait and think of ten reasons why not to. Right when you tell me something, I'm just going to obey. Because the worst thing that happens is that God's will takes place. And who knows that's the best thing that could happen in your life. Because if there's one thing I fear, it's missing out on God's plan for me. I've realized that's the only thing I should be worried about missing out. I can miss out on this. I can miss out on the Astros game. But I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to miss out on God's plan in my life. That's the one thing I don't want to miss out on. And for that to happen, I can't hesitate when he asks me. 
So we have to be a people that responds by faith and not react by fear. We have to be a people who responds saying, hey, God, pick me, not being like those other Israelites hiding in the corner. We have to say, God, whatever it is, whenever it is, with whoever, whatever, call me, and I won't hesitate, and I'll be obedient. Amen? Amen. I'm closing tonight, Haley, if you want to help me out. Will we all stand up with me tonight? Did you all enjoy tonight? I know. Spoke a little quickly. The closing scripture I want to read tonight is this, is 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 47, and it reads this. It said, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear, for this is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. The closing thought I want to leave you all with tonight is that the battle belongs to the Lord but the preparation belongs to you. The battle belongs to the Lord, but the preparation belongs to you. While you're living your everyday life, while you are coming and you're following God in this journey, you have to take in consideration your preparation, right? You have to take in consideration, hey, have I been consistent with God? You have to realize that the battle belongs to the Lord, but the preparation belongs to me. I have to be able to be consistent with him, and I got to know that I'm battle ready today. No matter what happens, I'm going to know that I'm battle ready. No matter what life throws at me, I want to know that I'm ready for it. The preparation belongs to you because the enemy knows that the unprepared Christian is no threat, right? An unprepared Christian is no threat. All those Israelites who were running and who were afraid, they all knew who God was. Saul knew who God was. I believe that they were all capable of defeating Goliath, but they didn't have that preparation in their heart. They weren't spending that time with God. They didn't have that realization of what they were capable of because they were unprepared when the battle came. I believe what separated David from everybody else is that he was prepared the moment he stepped in to that battle. He was prepared for it. He was prepared to take on Goliath. I believe that we are in a room that of Christians right now that we are ready for the battle. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.